Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. We're starting a brand new series. And the Lord put this on my heart several months ago, a heart devoted to God. I think that in these last days, as the world seems to crumble, I think it's imperative for the church to get closer to God. I've heard many people spiritually go, I need to be closer to God, but they seem to miss the truth of the gospel. And I'm hoping that through our series, whether it's 13 weeks or 19 weeks or 20 weeks, whatever God puts on our heart, that we would leave here with a heart solely devoted to him. That's the intent, a heart. Now, we live in a strange and ever-changing time, do we not? It has gone absolutely crazy in the world we live in. And every one of us in this room seems to look at, whether it's media or social media, we look for some sort of normalcy in hopes that we could maybe someday get back to It ain't happening. The world is changing. The world is changing. And I believe with all my heart that God is calling us back to him. Our goal, church, should be that we should purpose to finish well. I don't want an asterisk on my name. Well, he did real well, but at the end, he stumbled. At the end, he fumbled. At the end, he punted instead of, I don't want that asterisk. Do you? I want to finish well. The race that's set before me. And so I need this time. Why do we need a heart that's devoted to God? Because we're constantly being challenged by worldly ways. We're constantly being challenged by stress in the workplace. We're weathering storms today that nobody knows about. See, in your heart, you're going, man, I I just, I can't share this with anyone. And it's a storm that you're going through. So as we approach each psalm, Let us be reminded that I believe our Heavenly Father is drawing us back to himself. Now, you might be asking, Pastor, I'm not sure what that means. Could you you tell me what that means? Well, let me just share with you as we get going. I believe a heart devoted to God is a heart of prayer. It's a heart of prayer. You go, what do you mean? Well, therefore, I believe we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to pray for each other. There might be that time. Now, I understand that corporate bodily prayer out here makes people uncomfortable. Oh, pastor, don't ask me to pray. Oh, I don't pray well at night. And listen, we're never going to force you to pray out loud or, or anything else. So if you feel uncomfortable, please. I understand that one of my great pastor friends decided in his mega church that he was going to pray for 10 minutes on a Wednesday night, and literally half the church didn't come on Wednesday night because they didn't want to pray. They felt uncomfortable praying. They didn't want to gather in small groups and pray. But that's what God calls us. See, a heart devoted to God is a heart of prayer. And it's a heart of prayer that we'll do in here, and it's a heart of prayer that we should be doing each and every day. It's a heart of prayer. It's a heart of prayer. 
Pastor, but I don't, I don't want to pray. Well, if you gather together, you can silently and in your heart agree and pray. A heart devoted to God is a heart that involves work with God. A heart devoted to God, it's a work with God. Therefore, like I told you earlier, we may sit silent before God and wait on him. Every one of us is doing work with God. Every one of us needs to get to that place where, okay, And there may be something in the message, there may be something in the word of God that prompts you to go, listen, I just need to sit here quietly. I need to do work with God. And we need to be, oh, respectful of that. A lot of times when church is over, we're like, oh, we were just having a good, good to see you. And sometimes we need to go, oh, I need to stay out there because somebody's doing work in here. And we never want to rush you and go, okay, let's go, get out, let's go, we got, let's close her up, I'm going home. It's, let's do work with God. And sometimes that might mean sitting quietly. I know sitting quietly oftentimes feels awkward. But if we will allow the Lord some quiet, that allows us to tune in to what he's saying to us. Church, you've heard me say this before, jot this down, how important it is that we read the scriptures, but how much more important is it that the scriptures read us? The scriptures read us. As we look through, what is it saying to me? You see, we can easily dismiss and go, well, God was talking to Israel. Oh, God was talking to, but I want to put myself in the equation and I want to go, Lord, what am I doing? How am I walking with you? Because that's what a heart devoted to God. A heart devoted to God is one that involves work. Lord, guys, may we never come to this church and feel like we've arrived. Oh, we're in church. I've been in church for 45 years. We come and we go, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? How do you want to, how do you want to break my heart? Lord, I've walked on this earth. And I've picked up some stubborn ways along the way. And I've got some... And the Lord's like, no, I want to... Let's take that away. Let's take that away. I believe a heart devoted to God is a heart of worship. It's a heart of worship. Therefore, we might have an extended time of worship before the Lord. And I'm not saying that we'll never come and go, oh, Pastor Ben didn't study. Let's just worship, okay? Let's, guys, worship. I don't have anything. That'll never happen because it's the word of God. But there might be an opportunity, guys, where we spend time and worship. Now, you go, what does that mean? All it means is that we need to spend our time with our eyes closed and sing unto the Lord. That's hard. That's hard to do. Why? Our minds race a million miles a minute. What do I got to do tomorrow? I got to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to pay that bill. I forgot to pay that bill. I got to do Bless the Lord. Oh, my. Oh, I can't believe this. And what happens? And, and, and we're already thinking what we got to do next week. And we miss the moment. One of Joseph's favorite songs is keep me in the moment. Right here. 
I don't want to miss you, God. I don't want to miss It's a heart of worship. I want to worship. I want to worship. I want to sing to you. Listen, your work is still going to be there tomorrow. All the stuff you got to do, you can handle tomorrow. This is God's time. We have to have that mindset. So when we come in through those doors, we hey, brother, how you doing? Good to see you. And then we go, okay, Lord, prepare my heart. I want to hear from you. Everybody repeat after me. I need you, Lord. Don't we need him? I need you, Lord. I need you to speak to me today. I need you. I, I have to... need you, Lord. I believe a heart devoted to God is one of confession. Confession. Therefore, we will allow the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place where we can get things right with God. It's a place where we can allow the Lord to break us. Confession. It's a place where we can come and sit before the altar of God and just let him, and, and, and we can confess, and we can confess to him. But also, too, we will also have pastors and leaders to pray with you if you have that need. Pastor, I just need somebody to pray with. We've got plenty of people that will pray with you. Do I have to confess my sin? No, you don't have to confess your sin to them, but they they may want to just agree with you. Church, I can't fix it. I can't fix the issues you're going through. I can't fix the problem, but Jesus can. Come on, somebody. But we don't allow him to. We hold, we do, well, Lord, fix me. Wait, 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 fix, oh. And you, you get ripped off by the world in a relationship that is so amazing with God. I truly believe that the Lord put this on my heart as a game changer for our church. And as we come, week after week, please allow me to remind you to tune in to what God wants to say to you. Come with a notebook in hand so you can jot down what he's saying to you. And it may not ever be anything that I'm up here, but he's beginning to speak to you and you're writing and it's like... Come and try to forget, try to forget all the day's activities. And remember, remember this. The closer you get to God, the harder the enemy will fight for you not to be here. Trust me. After tonight, each Wednesday is going to be a battle for you to get here. It's going to be. We need to have that righteous rebellion and say, no, 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 I need to go. I need to go. I need to go. As we come to Psalm chapter 3, 
Think about this. David is writing this from a personal perspective, from a storm he's going through. This is a very interesting psalm because right now, David is the king of Israel. David is the king of Israel, and yet when he, when he pens Psalm 3, he is actually on the run in fear for his life. This is David. Why is he on the run? What did he do? What's going on? I thought he was king. All he has to do is make a declaration. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. He has been betrayed by his son, Absalom, and now he's on the run. Now he's on the run. You go, wait, 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 what happened? Well, let me give you, fill you on some background, okay? You need a little bit of background to this psalm. The story, if you're taking note, is actually found in 2 Samuel 15. And here's what I want you to write down. 2 Samuel 15 is a story. It's a story about rebellion, betrayal, hurt, and anxiety. This is all going down right here. How so? Well, notice what, what, let's, let's look at it. Look at, the, look at 2 Samuel 15. If you can't turn there or you don't, not fast enough, it's going to be on the screen, but it says, after this, it happened that Absalom, okay, so Absalom's David's son, provided for himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Wow! Now, Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call and say to him, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has a suit or a cause would come to me, and I would give him justice. Do you see what he's doing? You see what he's doing? And so it was, whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward Israel, who came to the king for judgment. And Absalom, here it is, you ready? Stole the hearts of the men of Israel. This is what he's doing. Dad is king. David is king. And Absalom raises up early in the morning. He goes to the gate and he says, hey, what's your problem? Listen, I would, I would favor you. If I were king, I would favor you. And Adam goes, really? And he starts to steal the hearts of the people. He starts to steal. Now, again, think about what Absalom is saying. Absalom is David's son. Where's the loyalty? Where's the familia? Where is it? Oh, no, 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 no. Come on, come on in. If I were judge, if I were judge. So tell me your problem. What's your problem? Really? That, that guy stole your, your, um, your sheep, huh? Man, listen, if I were, if I were king, if you were king, what? I'd go and I would, I'd put that guy in jail for doing that to you. 
well, do you think I can get a, you think I can get a message with the kid? No, no, no. He's busy. David, isn't he your dad? Yeah, but you know what? He wasn't really a dad to me. You know, he wasn't there when I was growing up. Now, of course, that's my opinion. It doesn't, the text doesn't say that, but you can imagine what he was saying to the people as he stole their hearts. Well, David this and David that, and I can't believe it. If Every time I read this passage, I get the Lion King in my head. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. You know, I just, and it's not even in here, but I had to say it because it was stuck in my head going like this. And I think Absalom's saying that, isn't he? Oh, I just can't wait to be, oh, when I'm king, I'm going to. Well, notice the result of the of his betrayal from his two-faced son. Notice, verse 13, drop down to verse 13. Now, messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all the servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise, let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste and depart, lest he overtake us and suddenly bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. He's going, what? You understand You understand that in order to be king, you have to kill the current king. That's how it worked. There weren't any elections, right? Well, let's vote for Absalom. I vote for Absalom. One vote for me. He said, no, listen, here's the deal. Absalom has already, he's turned the hearts of the people. He's coming after you, David. David says, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Now, again, very, very interesting. All of his faithful men who love David, we got to go. We got to go with you. So what does David do? David is fleeing the palace. And as he flees the palace, he's going to write Psalm 3. But I want you to feel the weight because I believe that when we study the Psalms, we know exactly how David feels. You go, what's the first thing? Part of his emotion is probably fear. Fear. You know he's fearful, right? David is in fear for his life. But you go, but but David is a mighty warrior. I mean, he should. But he's fearful for his life. Fear has gripped his heart. He's writing this and there's fear. You could tell. There's fear. And I thought, can we relate to David or what? We can relate because that's the one tool that the enemy uses to get us to walk away from God. That's fear. Fear. Fear for our lives. You know, that's the enemy, Melanie. That's the enemy. That's the tool the enemy is going to use in the tribulation to get people to take the mark. He's going to use fear and manipulation. But what about us? What about us tonight? How many of us, how many of us watching online are fearful? There's something, we're just fear. And again, oftentimes in our lives, we experience the same thing. You go, what? Well, there's a lot of us who are, let's be honest, we have a fear of dying. 
Now, for the believer, I understand we should go, no, 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 I'm ready to go any moment. But there is a fear for many people, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. That's a legitimate fear. I think a lot of people fear, what else? I think a lot of people fear the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't want what's going to happen six months from now. I don't know what's going to happen next year. I don't know. It's the fear of the unknown. And Christian, you're not exempt from that either. Because as far as I can tell, God has not given you a roadmap personally to what's going to happen in the next few months. Although he has given us his word and he says no matter what happens, he's there already. Now, if whatever's going to happen in the next six months, year, ten years, five years, whatever it might be, God's already there, why are we still fearful? Our brains don't work that way. The enemy uses it as his tool. I think David feels the same way, don't you? I think David feels the same way. I think a lot of us are, are, we have a fear of being betrayed. Betrayed by a friend, betrayed by a family member, betrayed by somebody you love. I think that hurts more than anything. Listen, if it would have been anyone else, I'm pretty sure David might have fought. But this is his, this is his boy. You understand, David, David sees Absalom on, as a little kid, a little time, dad, and he's jumping in his arms and, that's, that's my boy. That's my boy. Let me, let me spoil, let me give you a spoiler alert. Absalom actually gets killed later on in battle, and David mourns. David doesn't go, that's what you get, man. Don't mess with me. Don't touch the Lord's anointed. He doesn't say anything. He actually mourns. That's his boy. And I wonder, and I'm trying to feel the weight of what's happening, guys, because I think a lot of us are so fearful of being betrayed by somebody we love. There's fear in there. David writes this. I think there's fear of being hurt. Being hurt. Another emotion I feel like David is, is dealing with as he pens this psalm is betrayal, being betrayed. I bet if we could bring David in and interview him, we would say, hey, King David, did you ever think Absalom would turn on you? And he goes, never in a million years. That's my boy. That's my boy. No. But he's at the gate. He's what? And he's saying things about you. And they're lies. We all feel the weight of that. Every one of in this room has somebody has told a lie about at one point or another. You weren't doing your job, you said this, you didn't do this. They misunderstood what you said, and they've there you go. Imagine your family member. Turning on you after and offering insults and betrayals and lies. I'm pretty sure somebody could stand up and go, Pastor, that happened in my life. Are you kidding me? 
I told somebody the truth, and boy, they went and spread lies to the rest of the family. Now my cousins won't talk. We can, can we relate to this? And then I started to think about his son betraying him. And it reminded me of my Jesus. My Jesus was betrayed by one of his best friends. You understand that. You go, who? It was Judas. See, when we read the gospel stories, we often think, oh, Judas was this, and Judas was stealing money. Judas was, was, was Jesus. They were best friends. They, they hung out for three years. Whether Judas believed or not, there was still a bond that, that formed. Friends, Judas. Josh, do you remember Pastor Bill said, and he loved them to the end? That's it. Why would he do that? Because they're best friends. They're best friends. And then it happened one night where Jesus was in the garden. And he's with his disciples, and the disciples don't know anything. And here comes Jesus. He, hey, and he's got some Roman soldiers with him. And so everybody's kind of confused. Jesus knows what's going on. But the thing that hurt my heart for my Jesus is that Judas comes and kisses him on the cheek. It's the Judas kiss, the, the, the kiss of betrayal. I, I want you to, guys, close your eyes for a minute and, and look at the Lord's eyes as, as, as Judas is coming through. Just the hurt, he knows what's going to happen. Just, just think about that. His, his friend, his amigo, is betraying him for money. Now, I understand, as Christians, we go, Pastor, it had to happen. It had to happen because Jesus had to go. You understand that Jesus was fully God, yet fully man. He had all the emotions we did. It hurt. David's feeling the same way. And we can relate with David. I think another emotion that David feels and it goes, ties in with what's happening is there's hurt and brokenness. How do you go from being a king to a fugitive? How do you be from being... Okay, so if I'm going to stand up, if I'm going to fight, guess what? If I'm going to fight, I've got to fight against my own family. Parents, parents, there's nothing you won't do for your kids. And there's nothing you won't do for your grandkids. You're not going to go to fight against him. You're not going to go fight against him. Do you guys remember Abraham? Do you remember Lot? Right? There was, hey, we can't, what did, what did Abraham go? He's, oh, listen, I'm not going to fight you, Lot. You take, you go where you go, and I'll go opposite. I don't care. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, your, your family, I'm not going to do that. And I'm thinking, wow, the hurt, guys, and the brokenness. And I, I know, I know David probably sat. Oftentimes I thought, how did this happen? How did I let this happen? How did, how did Absalom go from being my cute little boy where we would play to now he, I, 
One thing, one thing that we need to glean, guys, from our study tonight, and you need to grasp this, is how we need to let go of the hurt and the brokenness in order to see the blessing. You see, the Lord wants to bless us. And we're walking around like this with hurt and brokenness. And we're going, okay, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm good. Hold on. Yeah, and the Lord goes, hey, I want to bless you. But you got to let go of some of that stuff. Huh? Ah. <sighs> <sighs> I don't know what to do. Where do I put this down? Where, where? Ben, I want to bless you, but you need to let go. Well, Lord, okay, Lord, what if I open my arms a little bit? No, Ben, you need to let go of that stuff. And, and until we let go, then our arms are not open to receive the blessing. And how many times, whether it's a hurt, a brokenness, anything that you're going through, that you'll say, I'm going to let that go, and it bounces a time or two, and then you pick it up and say, no, I'm going to hold on to this. Look at me. Your hurt is not your identity. Your past is not your identity. Your brokenness, everything that you went through is not what identifies you. And the enemy will say, yes, it is. You deserve that. That's what you got. That's how you are. This is what you were. No. The Lord says, let it go and open your hand and receive what he has for us. Guys, this is... This is what he said. I think another, I think another one for David is he's he's sad. He's just sad and vulnerable. And he's depressed. You understand his oldest son was at this time. Well, it was the oldest son at this time. He wasn't the oldest son, but it was at this time. He's willing to turn on the family and even kill his dad for the throne. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. You know, Absalom was so messed up that he actually built a place there in Israel. It's in Jerusalem. He built a little tomb. He's not in there, but he built this little tomb there. You can see it today. And what the Jewish people do now is they have their little kids and they throw rocks at the tomb and they teach the kids, this is what happens when you rebel. But that's Absalom. And David is feeling all of these emotions. Now, are these emotions real? You go, Ben, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, a hurt, there's brokenness, there's sadness, there's depression, there's, um, you know, I, I mean, I think I've been betrayed and I think there's fear. Yeah, definitely, definitely all these things. Those things, if we allow them to, they'll either make us better or they'll make us bitter, depending on your perspective. Those hurts, those friendships, the people that have hurt you will either make you better as you take a look at you, or they'll make you bitter as you move forward in relationships. 
David, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, if you're taking notes, I'm calling this message, Finding My Strength in God. Why, Ben? For tonight, we discover that even though David is fighting the fight of his life, he doesn't stray from God. Let's pick up our story. Only eight verses. Notice what it says in verse 1. This is the psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Verse 1. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who save me. There is no help for him in God. Now, your Bibles will say Selah or an interlude. This is just, it just means stop and ponder what he just said. Okay? So the first thing David says, I love the very first word. Help me out. What's that word? It's called Lord. Lord. Okay? I want you to think of a hurt in your life and was the very first words, Lord? They weren't for me. Ben, what did you do? I usually cry out to somebody. I usually like to, I like to get some confidence in, in, in telling other people and what they did. And that, guys, this is how we are. This is how humans work. If somebody says, Pastor Ben, I need, we need counseling and I, and a couple comes in the council, I can guarantee you it's, well, he did this and he does this and he does this and he does that. And, and then he goes, well, she does this and, and, and nobody ever goes, what am I doing? What am I doing? But I love that David says, Lord, I'm going to go to you first. And what, what's he saying? He's saying, Lord, have you seen the enemies that I have? Have you seen how many are against me? And they're saying something that's really hurtful. Really? Yeah. Notice, guys, if you have a pencil handy, you can circle the word for they, and you could write next to it, um, enemies, adversaries, foes, oppressors. This is who they are. It's everybody. You see, it wasn't just Absalom. It was a lot of people who joined in. He turned the hearts against right. So if, if David was in a modern world, you know that everyone on Facebook would offer just a horrible comment about him. Oh, King David is this and this and this. Click like, all this stuff. And, and, and if David would have read that, he would have been broken. He, he, he would have been, he'd have been broken. And he's like, Lord. Are you serious? And he said, and they have what? They have increased. And I looked that word up, and it says they've become many. There's a lot of them. If two or three people don't like me, okay. But Lord, this is all of them. What would be your next sentence? You know what my next sentence would be? What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? What did I do, Rosa, so I can fix it? Tell me what I do so I can fix it. Let me just fix it because I don't want all y'all to hate me. But he says, no, Lord, 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 look at my enemies. He says, many are rising up against me. Many, many, look how many are out there. They all hate me. One thing that we need to grasp from this verse, guys, is is that it was not just Absalom who turned on David, but a lot of his friends. A lot of his friends. Many of the people who once honored David are now turning against him. Wow. 
Absalom. Listen, this is, this is good. This is good. You ready? Absalom sitting at the gate. Hey, tell me your story. Well, if I was king, I don't think he's going to do anything for you. Boy, yeah, boy. I'm just a prince, but if I could, I could take. And so he's turning the hearts of the people. Everybody got it? He's turning the hearts of the people. But one of the things that jumped out at me right here, guys, right here, jumped out at me, is Absalom was at the gate talking trash and turning the hearts of many people away from David the king. And can I just tell you, that's what gossip does. Gossip in our lives is unacceptable. It turns, it turns many who are not part of the problem or the solution, it turns them to join those who seem to have a case. Well, I'll just go with you then. And I think about this and I think, guys, I think there's some great application. There's some great truth we're going to put in our pockets right now. Don't be an Absalom. Don't be an Absalom. Oftentimes we think hurting other people are going to elevate us or make us feel better. It doesn't. Oftentimes we think if we can gossip over there, then I am going to elevate myself. That's an Absalom. It doesn't work. There's no place for gossip in the Christian life. There's no place for it, guys. Spreading lies to win your case is unacceptable because it turns the heart of people against Jesus. Whoa, 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 stop, stop. I'm not, I'm not selling lies about... Here's the thing. Your life is a representation of who God is, and if you're spreading lies about other people, guess what that says to other people about your God? You go, well... What can I do? What can I do if if somebody comes up and starts gossiping to me? You know what you say? Number one, hey, am I part of the problem? No. Uh, Am I part of the solution? No. I don't want to know anything about it. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Listen, your pastor, when we were doing a home fellowship, your pastor and his wife were talked about in an ugly way. We had some wolves come in our home fellowship. We're sitting in Rio Rancho. We're trying to minister to people. We're trying to, and for some reason, these were, these were wolves. These were wolves in sheep's clothing, and they came in, and they were trying to divide the body of Christ. That's what's going to happen. They're trying to divide us. And so they went to another couple who we love dearly, and they went to him and said, did you know what Pastor Ben and his wife, and they started trying to gossip. And you know what this lady said? This lady said, and I quote, don't tell me anything about them. I know they're not perfect, just like I'm not perfect. And she nipped it right there. She nipped it. When are we going to rise up, church, and go, no, I don't want to talk. That is dividing the body of Christ. I don't want anything to do with it. When are we going to rise up and go, listen, here's what God hates. He hates division in the body. We need to stop it. I don't want to be an Absalom. But David right here, guys, think about it. 
They're saying some very harsh things. You go, why? Notice in verse 2, he said, Many say of me, ready, here's the quote, There is no help for him in God. And that is the, you could not say anything worse to David. You cannot say anything worse to David. And I pray, thank God this is not true. You see, when you get to the point where even God won't help you, where's your hope? Where's your hope? David, you have sinned so much, God's not even going to help you. Isn't that, isn't that the very thing the enemy tells you? You have messed up so bad, even God doesn't want you. You've messed up. You've blown it, man. You're a loser. God doesn't even, won't even help you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Right here. Right here. Here's what I know about my God. He will always come to your rescue. He will always come to you rescue. We as believers need to preach the opposite. There is no one, listen to me, there is no one gone so low that the Lord can't reach him. There is no one who has sinned so much that God can't forgive him. God will always come to our rescue as long as we call out to him. Think about what David is writing in verses 1 and 2. He's dealing with difficult battles. And it's the most, and, and it, it's in the most difficult moments in life that you realize who your real family and friends are. David is asking, hey, who's got my back? Who's really got my back? And is this not true for us? It's the most difficult times in your life, church, that you will discover who your true friends and your true family is. We have a lot of high-five brothers. Little high-five, say, high-five, right on, good to see you. But when you go through the worst time in your life, it's those that need to come and sit and hold your hand and cry with you as you get through this storm. That's family. I want to be that family. I mean, let's be a true friend. Moving forward, this is exactly what we're going to go through. Christians are going to go through some hard times. We need to be ready. Pastor, I don't know what to say. How can I minister? We need to be a church ready to minister to people who need it at that time. What does that look like? It looks like exactly how God tells you to say, sit down. And just hold their hand. I'll never forget the time. I'll never forget the time when my brother-in-law passed away. And my my mother and father-in-law, it was just a horrible time. And Nathalie and the whole family was there. Well, my dad, having gone through a losing a child, he lost his wife, but then he lost his daughter when she was 19. He drove up to their house, walked in the house, sat down, and just held their hand. He didn't come in and go, let me tell you how it feels. I know it's going to be rough now, but here's, here's some scripture. How about a verse? No, no, no. How about, I'm going to walk right this. I understand. And he just cried with them. And he just cried. 
And he got up and he went home. You have that gift. You have that gift. I love that this is the only two verses he writes on his spiritual foes. Two verses. And then he turns his eyes to God. Note it, look at verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I cry to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Don't you just love that? Right? If you have a pencil, the word you is a personal pronoun. He's saying, you, O Lord, it's personal. God, I'm not just crying out to a great spirit in the sky. It's you, O Lord. And then David uses what he knows. He's a warrior. And he says, what a warrior uses is a warrior's perspective. God, be a shield about me. What does a shield do? It protects. It protects. Eva, you've been at Calvary Chapels a long, long time. You remember the old Maranatha song on this? You're going you're gonna to see it, right? For thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. That's where he gets this from right here. It's an old Maranatha song. But this is what David says. He says, you are the one who lifts my head. Now, when I was thinking about this, when we walk defeated, how do we walk? We walk with our head down. We're defeated. We're broken. I don't know what to do. God goes, "Uh uh-uh, look. Head up. Head up. I got you. I got you. But it's not enough because he says this. He says, I cried to the Lord with my, what's that word, guys? Help me. With my voice. How many of us, we'd love, we, we, we'll get in the car and we'll have a silent prayer. It's in our brain, Lord Jesus. And we're thinking it and we have great meditation and we're praying. Right here, he says, no, 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 no. I need to hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. I need to cry out to the Lord. I need, here's my voice. God! I need you. I need you. need you. I'm discouraged. Put your head up, Ben. Get your head up. Get your head up. I'm, I'm defeated. Get your head up. Get your head up. But Lord, many times throughout the day we cry and we silently pray. And God says, no, no, no. I, I need to speak to the Lord. And let me just add one more. Know his word and pray his word back to him. Know his word. Lord, your word says this. I'm just reminding you. You promised. Lord, I'm feeling empty and I'm feeling lonely. And your word says you will never leave me nor forsake me. And so, Lord, I got to call you on your word. I need you today. I need you today. And what does the word of God say to us, guys? The Lord, the Lord will answer, or he says what? I cried out with my voice and... I got a busy signal. And the younger people have no idea what a busy signal is. You see, back in the day when I got my phone, they would dial somebody, and if they were on the other line, it'd go bzz, bzz, bzz. That's not what it says, does it? 
It says that the Lord heard me from his holy hill. He heard me. God, yes, I need you. I need you. I need you. I think of Psalm chapter 4, verse 3. He says, you can be sure of this. The Lord set apart a godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. Now, if you take nothing else from this sermon, take that. God hears our prayer. God hears our prayer. When you pray, it's not just throwing. It's not just throwing. I'm going to just throw it up there. Just go throw it up there. (laughs) He hears. God. He hears. He hears. Let's stop right here. Because it's 8.15 and we've got to do communion. But let's take some time. Let's take some time. We'll finish up next week. We'll hit, we'll hit verses 5 and 6. Great stuff. Great stuff. But let's leave you with this. Now, I didn't plan to stop here, but I know we won't have time to just meditate and let the Lord speak to us. So as we prepare our hearts for communion, two things jump out at this psalm. Number one, David's hurt. He's betrayed. He's broken. He's sad. He's depressed. It's a mess. And he turns his eyes to the Lord. And maybe you're here today and you've got to do some work with God. Maybe you've been broken. Maybe you've been sad. Maybe you're not in a right relationship with him, whatever it might be. But that's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit come and fill us. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Adam, I'm going to ask Adam to come stand right here. Sit right here. If you need prayer, you can come up and, and, and pray with Adam. He'll pray. He'll pray for you. He'll pray. If you don't, that's okay. He's just going to stay right there. And when you're ready, we're just going to make our way and just spend time rejoicing in the Lord. Now, next week, next week, as we finish this, keep this in mind. David says, oh, by the way, I prayed and then I went to sleep. And you go, what does that mean? That means he knew it was taken care of. Sleep is a blessing. And he said, okay. And then I woke up. And then he gives us some incredible, incredible insight to his word. But I want this to be your time. So if you need prayer, there's prayer. You don't have to confess. You don't have to go, Adam, I have to do is come and just be like, ah, just pray for me. Pray for me. If you need to do work with God, where are you? Where are you with him? We, we need to have a heart set on pilgrimage, a heart ready and devoted to God. Every one of us. Every one of us. You see, it's not about church, denomination, the dove, the cross. It's about coming to Jesus and saying, here I am.
here I am. Fix me. Help me. Encourage me. Maybe some of you got to let go. You've got you've got hurts and you've got you've got stuff going all around and 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 the Lord t- this this evening is saying, "Let go of that. Let go of that. Let go." It's <coughs> it's no mistake. God brought you here tonight. It's no mistake. This is your time, Father. As the lights draw low. And we prepare to sing to you, I don't want this just to be songs. I don't want this just to go through the set, Lord. Lord, we need you. We need each other. Prepare our hearts to take communion, God. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. We're going to do work right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.